Chapter 30 The First Date The tiny pixelated gunman moved around in the maze on the television screen with no correlation between the speed of his legs and the passing of the ground beneath him. As he moved up a long passageway, the man became engaged in a firefight with a white robot, moving back and forth along the passageway and bobbing his balloon-like head with every step. As the robot moved directly above the protagonist, it began letting loose a blast of tiny dots of light in the man's direction, apparently unfazed by the fact that they were being absorbed by the barrier directly in front of it. Sam was on the edge of his seat, holding the controller tightly with both hands, furiously pressing one of the buttons much faster than the video game system seemed to be able to register. The sounds of laser fire were accompanied by the constant pulsing of a strange electronic heartbeat. Sam lunged toward one side of the controller, and the small man turned and ran into the path of the oncoming blasts while firing his own volley, but it was apparently too late. One of the shots fired by the robot met its target, causing the man to freeze, become surrounded by a field of red, and disappear a moment later. Sam flopped back into the sofa and held out the controller in front of him. Your turn, he bellowed in a defeated voice. Rom looked up having been gazing toward the television, but seemingly staring blankly at a point behind it. Bringing himself back to the room, he got halfway up from the chair he was in and took the controller from Sam. Yeah, okay, he responded as he sat back down and began moving the gunman around the maze. If Vicky had emerged from her room since the night before, it had been while Megan was asleep. Megan had been watching Rom fumble with something in his trouser pocket, figuring it was likely Vicky's keys. She looked back down at the paragraph she had been attempting to read in the Scarlet Letter, not recognizing any of the plot where she had left off. She once again started at the beginning of the page. Rom, Sam asked, now sitting back up on the edge of the sofa, did you play video games when you were a kid? Heh, <laughs> no, Rom replied as he tapped the controller with much more proficiency and much less motion than Sam had. They didn't really have them when I was your age. What did you do for fun? Same stuff you like to do. Cars, army men, that sort of thing. We played outside a lot, too. Did you have brothers, too? Just one, Julian. He was five years older than me. Did your mom and dad play with you sometimes? Rom seemed to stop playing for a minute, as if he was collecting his thoughts. My mom died when I was little, he said, continuing the game. I don't really remember her. My dad played with us sometimes, though. I used to love that. He used to throw the ball for me to do batting practice. Julian was always really good at hitting. I kept trying, though. I wanted to show him that I could do it, make him proud of me like he was of Julian, so I kept practicing. Did you get good at it? Rom grinned and let out a tiny chuckle. No, not really. I think he got tired of helping me practice after a while. And it's one of those things that's hard to get good at by yourself, I guess. My dad would throw the ball for us, too, Sam responded while staring at the screen. I even hit the ball sometimes. We had to stop doing it because my mom said we were too close to the house and she didn't want me to break the windows. Well, I can see your point, Rom responded. You guys could have gone to the park or something. They did, my dad and Kyle and Jacob, but my dad said I was too little to go with them. He said maybe I could go when I was older. How old were you? Megan asked. Um, seven years old, I think. You're seven now, she said, realizing the injustice and surprised that Sam wasn't more bothered by it. He said it was because he didn't want to make my mom mad, 
there's lots of things that my mom says I'm not allowed to do because I'm too little. But I think it was because I'm special. I heard them yelling at each other about it one night when I was supposed to be sleeping. Megan put her book down. What do you mean special? What did they say? It was when I was playing cars in the house and I spilled juice on my mom's important papers. And she got really mad. I had to go to bed early. And when my dad came home, she yelled at him because she was so mad. She said that when I came, I ruined everything, but I didn't ruin everything. I only ruined her papers. Oh, and one plant. Anyway, I heard her yelling from my room, even though I had the door closed. And when my dad came to tuck me in, she said that she was mostly mad because she was tired. What did you mean when your mom said you're special? Like, special to her? Because she loves you? I don't know. I think it's because I'm step. Huh? The phone rang, and Megan waited, knowing Howard was upstairs, waiting to see if he would answer it. Sure enough, there was no second ring, and both she and Rom relaxed. Still, she couldn't help wonder if there was news from the hospital. What do you mean, step? Kyle and Jacob said that's why I'm special, and it makes Mom mad sometimes. Well, a lot of the times. Megan was no less confused than before but was distracted by the creaking of the floorboards above her as Howard made his way to the top of the stairs. She waited, wondering what the news was. Megan, phone call for you. Caught off guard, she got up, went to the empty kitchen and picked up the receiver. Okay, I got it. There was a click as Howard hung up the extension upstairs. Hello? Hey, Megan, it's Anthony. Megan felt her face go flush. Oh, hey. She was delighted that he was calling her, but wondered what the reason was, and braced herself for a letdown. Hey, so I um, was wondering uh, if you wanted to go catch a movie tonight or something? She felt almost numb with surprise, wondering at first if she had imagined him saying it. Uh, yeah, uh, what movie? Well, Supergirl is playing at 7 o'clock, but we could watch something else if you want. Oh, no, that sounds fine. She didn't know anything about the movie, but she realized that anything could be playing on screen and she'd be excited to go. So, do you want me to pick you up? We could go grab something to eat before if you want. She was still feeling dazed. Sure, that'd be great. Uh, what time do you want me to pick you up? She forced herself to come back to reality. Oh, uh, she didn't want to have to wait. Couldn't he just come now? How about five o'clock? Cool. See you at five then? Yeah, sounds good. All right, bye. There was a hesitation and then a click on the other end as Anthony hung up the phone. She was still standing there, looking off into nothingness, trying to wrap her brain around what had just happened. Wasn't he mad at her for not telling him about Phil? What about him avoiding her at school the previous day? And now he just asked her out? She hung up the phone, realizing she hadn't even said goodbye. He just asked me out, she thought with a sudden jolt of realization. Anthony and I are going on a date tonight. She turned and ran up to her room to get ready. The evening brought with it a welcome relief to all the stress and sadness of the past few days. Anthony came by right at five o'clock, and they went to Sonic for dinner. Out of nervousness, she hadn't eaten anything since breakfast, so the foil-wrapped burger and the bag of onion rings perched on his dashboard were delicious. 
his car stereo, and the restaurant's outdoor speakers were both tuned to Q106, making it feel like they were part of a statewide Saturday night dance party. Leah and Greg, who had coincidentally made the same plans, came over from Greg's truck and climbed into Anthony's freshly cleaned back seat, where the four of them talked about concerts, vacations, and skiing. Having Greg there, surprisingly enough, hardly bothered Megan at all, but then he was a different person than the boy she used to know. Then, as the clear and cool sky faded into twilight, both cars drove over to the movie theater. Anthony had gotten a large popcorn for the two of them to share, and the movie wasn't actually all that bad. At times, she was even more immersed in the movie than in the faint smell of cologne which so intoxicated her. I'm just saying, they could have done worse than Helen Slater, is all, Greg was explaining to Leah, who would have none of it, standing with her back to him and an impish grin on her face. She's a good-looking actress. You should ask her out, then, Leah answered shortly without turning around. The four of them were on the sidewalk at the edge of the portico in front of the theater, where many others clumps of people stood in lively conversation in the chilly night air. Megan stood elbow to elbow with Anthony, taking turns brushing up against each other's arms, only somewhat inadvertently. Leah was wearing Greg's green and gold letter jacket, one which Megan herself had worn a time or two in another lifetime. So we're heading up to the dome, Greg mentioned, apparently unfazed by Leah's attempt at a cold shoulder. You guys want to come? A bunch of us are camping, but you don't have to stay all night. You can just leave whenever. Anthony looked at Megan with a questioning look, and in response she scrunched her face into as pleasant an expression of derision as she could muster. Anthony smiled back. Uh, that's okay, he reported back to Greg. You guys go ahead. Greg started to respond, but was immediately interrupted by a voice from behind Anthony. Hey, you crazy kids, get in here. It was Charlie, sticking his head out of the partially open door to Sparky's, the sound, liveliness, and warmth spilling out around him onto the patio. Greg put his arms around Leah's waist, turning her around again. Catch you guys later then, he nodded, and Leah's face warmed into a full, happy smile, one that Megan never really saw in biology class. Have a good night, you two, she added, casting a twinkling eye at Megan. Megan and Anthony went into the restaurant, where the warm air, bright music, and animated conversations rejuvenated the evening after the cold goodbyes outside. Hey, I don't think we were properly introduced the other night, Charlie said, putting out his hand as Anthony and Megan stepped inside. I'm Charlie Moretti. Anthony Clark, Anthony responded, shaking his hand with a smile. Good to meet you. Oh, yeah, sorry, Megan remarked. Charlie works here. Nice, Anthony responded, looking around. I don't think I've ever actually been in here before. Hey, we've got a booth over here. Come join us. Charlie led the way through the tables to the same booth Sam and Linda had been sitting in the other day. The booth was occupied by one person already. Sarah sat waiting, her hands cupped around one of two mugs sitting on the table before her. Her clear, bright face beamed with Charlie's approach. Sarah, you know Megan, right? And this is Anthony. Have a seat, you two, he said, turning to them and directing them to the seats opposite as he sat down next to Sarah. Hi, Sarah responded, glowing. It's nice to see you again, Megan. Megan sat down and moved over to make room for Anthony, who followed her into the seat. Same here, she responded to Sarah, unable to keep from smiling at the sheer joy she felt as she watched Charlie pick up his matching cup. So what'd you guys see? Charlie asked after taking a sip of what Megan could smell was a dark roast coffee. Supergirl, Megan responded, shifting in her seat as if to readjust her legs of her jeans, but using the ruse to move a little closer to Anthony. What have you guys been doing? 
Just coffee and desserts, Charlie responded, motioning to the tables around them. I don't think we've had a new customer for 45 minutes. He looked over at Sarah. Except Sarah here, he grinned. He continued in a mock whisper, holding the back of his hand beside his mouth. But she's got an in with one of the employees. Megan feigned surprise. Oh, her and Gabe? There was commotion under the table as Charlie apparently tried to kick Megan's shin, but found Anthony's instead. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Charlie exclaimed as a look of surprise and confusion came across Anthony's face. Megan and Sarah both fell into fits of giggling. I totally wasn't aiming for you. Nah, it's all right, Anthony replied, realizing what had happened. Hey, you guys want coffee or hot cocoa? Charlie asked while jumping up out of the booth. Ooh, hot cocoa sounds good, Megan replied, looking over at Anthony. You want something? Yeah, that sounds good to me, hot cocoa, he responded, looking up at Charlie. Hey, come on, Charlie asked Anthony. Let me introduce you to Gabe. Anthony looked over at Megan, and she gave him a smile. He got up and followed Charlie into the kitchen, where they disappeared behind the swinging door. Have you guys been dating for a long time? Sarah asked, her voice hushed with excitement. Megan turned back toward her. Actually, this is our first real date, I guess. Sarah's eyes widened. Really? How exciting. He's really sweet. Yeah, Megan responded. Yeah, he is. So, you and Charlie? Sarah blushed a little. Yeah, she answered demurely. I got to know him this summer, and I don't know, he's so nice. I, I've been wanting him to ask me out for a long time, and for a while there, I didn't think he was interested in me at all. But lately, it's, I don't know, it's been so nice. It's like he finally noticed me, you know? Yeah. Sarah leaned in a little. You know him really well, right? Do you think I'm crazy for thinking that he likes me? No, Megan replied, smiling. I can tell you for a fact that you're not. This made Sarah blush a little more deeply, and her already radiant happiness seemed to be turned up another notch or two. If it weren't for Sarah's earnestness and genuine air of humility, Megan thought, it would be almost sickening. After a few moments, Sarah looked over toward the kitchen, and her smile gave way just a little for the first time since Megan had sat down. Can I ask you something about Charlie? she asked, turning to look back into her cup. Sure, Megan answered, a little surprised at the request. Well, I don't know how to say it, really. There's just something I feel like I need to tell him. About me, I mean, but I'm scared. Megan's curiosity was immediately piqued. Well, do you want to tell me? I won't say anything to him, I promise. Sarah stared into her cup. I've dated other guys, you know, not a lot, I mean, but, well, when I've told them, they never really know how to react. But it's not long after that that they leave. They never say it's because of this thing, but I know that it is. With Charlie, I just don't want it to happen that way. I want him to know first, and if he can't handle it, then, well, at least I won't have been fooling myself, right? Megan nodded silently, watching her as she continued to gaze into her drink. I found out when I was a freshman that I have a disease. It's a mild type of muscular dystrophy. It doesn't really bother me right now. It's just hard for me to hold stuff above my head for very long. But as I get older, it's probably going to cause muscles to get weaker and weaker until I can't really use them anymore. Megan didn't know what to say. I'm sorry, she said hesitantly. Was that the right thing to say, she thought. 
She glanced over and saw Anthony and Charlie emerge from the kitchen, each carrying a mug and a piece of chocolate pie on a plate, and she felt a sense of relief. Charlie will know how to respond to this, she thought before catching herself and realizing that Sarah had nothing to worry about. She turned back to her quickly. You should tell him, she said to her in a hushed but urgent tone as the boys navigated the busy dining room. If there is anyone in this world who will be okay with it, it's Charlie. Sarah's eyes finally met hers with a warm smile, which broadened again as she turned to see Charlie approaching. They sat and enjoyed the drinks, each couple sharing a piece of pie, and they talked about movies and school and music. Megan offered enough to the conversation to keep Anthony from feeling stranded, but her mind wandered to Charlie and to Sarah's secret. If only she knew, she thought, that she's not the only one with a secret. For Charlie, his secret was his past. For Sarah, her future. But why should that keep them from being happy in the present? But she could see what Sarah meant. She wanted to start the relationship off with all the cards on the table. They deserved to be honest with each other. And if someone was going to run, well, let it happen right away before they had a chance to build something together. Megan looked over at Anthony, sipping from his mug, listening to something Charlie was saying and unaware of her gaze. A wave of guilt came over her. You know his secret, she said to herself. They got to the car in a relatively empty parking lot, and Megan realized that if she was going to act, it needed to be now. Um, I want to show you something. Can we take Canyon Road? Uh, sure, Anthony responded, looking around as if to orient himself. They climbed in, and she led them to the turnoff to the Jewish Center, where they got out and began walking down the dirt road. Peggy Sue, he asked, as they started down the path, dimly lit by the waxing moon. She gave enough of a nod to satisfy his curiosity. When they got to the hole in the fence, she climbed through first and led him past the bridge and a short way along the ridge to the clearing. She had never been there at night before, and it had an eerie feeling to it. A cricket chirped somewhere close by, and the dark silhouette of the bridge hovered in the sky just over the trees. Anthony stopped looked around for a moment, and then turned to her expectantly. She realized that she hadn't thought about what to say, much less rehearsed it, and she trembled in fear, unable to find the words or the courage to say them. Hey, it's okay, Anthony said, stepping forward as if to console her. She wiped the corner of her eye, determined to keep her composure. Still, she couldn't bring herself to speak and stood there, shaking in silence. Anthony waited patiently for a minute, and then spoke again. Would it help if I went first? What do you mean, she answered quietly. Look, if you're not ready to tell me, I promise it's fine. But who is Phil? Why has he been supporting us all these years? I swear, seeing him the other night, he seems somehow familiar. But I can't figure out how, and neither can my mom. I don't know if I should say, she responded, trembling. I know, but it's not really my secret to tell. Anthony moved closer and lowered his voice just slightly. Does it have to do with this place? Is that why you brought me here? Her arms tightly folded, Megan forced a quick nod to answer him. Anthony turned to look around, doubtlessly trying to discover the meaning of the clearing. His eyes fell upon Ram's sign and he knelt down close to it, 
straining to read the lettering in the shadows of the surrounding pines. This, this is your phone number, isn't it? He said, standing up, his face contorted with confusion. Did he, did he jump off the cliff or something? Megan stood, petrified, wanting so badly to explain, but after the perfect night, she was scared to death to lose him. Tears streamed from her eyes, and she turned to try to hide her emotion. Phil tried to do this, she thought, and now he's in a coma. Anthony stepped over closer to the edge of the canyon, causing Megan to flinch, thinking he couldn't see the sheer drop in the darkness. But he stopped and carefully tried to peer over the edge, then stepped back. He looked up, his eyes focusing for a moment on the bridge, and then turned back to her. Did he jump off the bridge? He seemed to read Megan's face. And then climbed up here? Why is there a sign here and not down there? He motioned to the bottom of the canyon. Megan gathered all the courage she could and spoke, the words barely escaping her lips. Because he woke up here. What? Louder, her voice quivering, she repeated the words. Because when you jump, you wake up here. Anthony responded with a look of complete misunderstanding and disbelief, which made Megan turn away in frustration and resignation, burying her face in her hands. Hey, 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 Anthony said, moving in and putting his hand on her shoulder. Hey, I'm sorry. Tell me, please, I want to know. I'm just so afraid, she answered, forcing back sobs. What are you afraid of? She turned to look at him, her eyes foggy with tears. I'm afraid of ruining this. I'm afraid I'll tell you and you'll leave. Anthony looked her in the eyes. After a moment of thoughtful silence, he spoke. Will it change who you are? Huh? If you tell me, will it change who you are? She shook her head. It's part of who I am she responded, realizing the truth of the words as she spoke them. Then I'm not going anywhere. She felt the sheer power of his beautiful eyes strengthen her own resolve as she spoke, fighting back emotion. She explained how she had jumped and awoken in the clearing. She described how her life had been erased, how her parents' marriage had vanished, how she found herself a ghost among the living. She told him how Howard took her in, being one of the few who understood anything about the bridge, about how even he didn't seem to understand why it did what it did. She told him in turn about Charlie, about Vicky, about Rom. She told him about Linda and even about Stephen Palmetti. She told him about Sam. Through it all, he listened, speaking only to clarify an occasional name. She finished, emotionally exhausted, wanting to know his reaction if only to begin the difficult task of dealing with his rejection. Phil, he asked quietly, after pondering what had been said. He jumped too, didn't he? She hesitated, unsure how to proceed. I know, I get it, he continued. It's his secret, and I, I want my mom to hear it from him. He paused and looked back at her again. But I want to hear it from you. She had managed to regain her composure, but his request brought her emotions back to the surface. They were married, she said quietly. He was your stepdad, 
He loves her and you. He misses you so much. He looked at her for a moment and turned away, gazing across the dark canyon in thought. Her tears were too much to hold back, and she wiped her eyes and shuddered, quietly sobbing. Hearing this, he turned back toward her as she frantically wiped her face with her hand, avoiding his eyes. You're... You're all just trying to move forward with your lives, aren't you? He said, moving close to her. You're just trying to get back on your feet, and the only thing you have in this whole world is, is one another. Megan nodded again and looked up into his eyes. And you, she responded, her voice breaking. He put his hands on her arms and gazed back at her for only a moment before leaning in for a long, warm, wonderful kiss. She threw her arms around him, and the darkness surrounding them no longer mattered.